0: If you have a, a godlike intelligence, they're going to be able to get around something that like a, a, a Linux dude programmed. Hello and welcome to Terrifying Robot Dog. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about how technology is changing the way we interact with the world. This week, it's Terrifying Robot Dog Book Club. This week, we're going to talk about we are Legion, we are Bob. So prepare for a spoiler cast, ladies and gentlemen. Please stay tuned. Terrifying robot dog is next.
1: Hello. Hello,
2: TRD book club. That that's a thing we should actually do. Yeah. Yeah, we should announce, "Hey, we're going to read this book and then, you know, a few weeks later, we can talk about it."
0: Yeah, by the magic of time shifting, dear listener, you can experience that right now by skipping this episode and reading We Are Legion. We are Bob. I don't even know the author's name.
2: I don't remember the author's name. We should probably look it up.
0: Yes. look. Let's look that up to make sure that people don't end up on the wrong
2: on the wrong. We are Bob. We are
0: Bob. Yes. So last episode, we talked about some concepts that we were that, that led into. Well, last. What did we talk about? We talked about NASA discovering like a bunch of potentially habitable Earth like planets. Yes. Which was super weird to be Reading this book at the exact same time because the premise of the book is that humans are have sent out probes to find Earth-like, Earth-like planets.
2: Yeah, it was. You were barely into the book at this point, and I was sitting there trying not to explode.
0: <laughs> it actually got kind of confusing. I was like, you know, once once I got farther into the book, I was like, wait a second, you know, this wait this is real. This isn't real. Okay. Because <laughs> I was listening to it, uh, we both listened to it on Audible, which was it was a, I thought it was a really good performance, audible performance.
2: Yes, it's one of my, one of my favorite narrators on Audible. Ah. And uh, Dennis E. Taylor is the author.
0: Dennis E. Taylor.
2: It's narrated by Ray Porter.
0: Excellent. So if, if you, dear listener, listened to, uh, read or listened to Ready Player One or The Martian and enjoyed those, this book is kind of like the love child of those two books. Yes. So it's it's got a lot of, a ton of references, retro references, and it's super spacey. And, you know, if you listen to this show, you're probably going to like it. So if you don't listen to this show, what's
2: wrong with you? Yeah, if, if you don't listen, well, never mind. We'll not go into your logical fallacy there. Let's just continue.
0: <laughs> yes. So we are going to wreck the book for you if you uh, listen to this episode. So if it sounds interesting, if the book sounds interesting, shut us off and come back later and we can all... Enjoy a nice uh, cup of coffee, talking about this wonderful book. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's it's not a super long book. It's not uh, the audio book is nine and a half hours, and it's a you know it's a would be an easy listen or an easy read.
0: Yes, absolutely, cranked through it pretty quickly. So, you, I, do you want to set up the general concept of the book?
2: Uh, general concept of the book: uh, guy gets hit by motor vehicle. Rich guy. Rich guy gets hit by motor vehicle and turned into street pizza. Conveniently. A couple of days before that, he had, um, you know, decided to sign up with this cryogenics agency that lops off his head Futurama style and preserves him for some later date in the future. And at which point he is awoken to discover that these... um Quote unquote corpsicles
1: <laughs> yes. have,
2: basically, have basically been denied any sort of human rights and auctioned off to the highest bidder after a bunch of political shifts and, and what have you on earth.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, another thing that kept making me, it kept being like, wait a second, is this real or not real? Because there's some sort of alt right US politics that comes up. And
2: yeah, it's really surreal.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's, it's like, when did he write this? Uh, but so that the, the geopolitical situation on earth is extremely fragile Pe- you know I, I think it's uh in the 2030s i think it's set in the yeah, 20s I, so. I think
2: 2033 is when it starts
0: yeah and technology has advanced to the point where they they have created the capability to uh, or they're, they're in the process of creating the capability to create what is called a von neumann probe in the book and in reality and the pilot of these probes would be artificial intelligence based on an actual person mm-hmm. one of the corpsicles.
1: yeah and
2: sorry it's 2133 2033 uh, is only a few years away
0: right <laughs> right that's better that makes more sense yes it's more reassuring <laughs> mm. so all sorts of crazy things happen there's sort of a space race and it's weird because the although the the ais are based on people. They are not considered people anymore. But the AI feels like it's a person.
2: Yeah, it still has still has the self awareness and the memories of the person, and and to a degree the emotions of the person. But they are somewhat inhibited.
0: Yeah, and and so and, and interestingly what they would do is they would have to I, so I think this is this is relevant to the podcast specifically I think they take the they take your brain basically and they put you in a computer and they in at least one case they made five copies of this one guy but they made lots of copies of lots of people mm-hmm. and they basically put them in a room with a shrink for you know a scientist who was trying to kind of guide them back into reality into consciousness really. And they, you know, they like right away, they don't have a body. So they're like super freaked out. All their, everyone they ever knew is dead. You know, there's like all these, all these sort of time travel problems, of course, but they have no body and they're not really them. So there's a huge piece of the book that's around identity Mm -hmm. and, uh, and the personality of the original person majorly comes into play because almost nobody can deal with the situation and they go bonkers.
2: Yeah, yeah. Most most people go insane either right away or shortly thereafter, just because they have no physical body and because like all the sensations are so different, and everyone's dead, and you have certain bits of your emotional response to things that have been inhibited by the computer, and you have hmm. this uh, interface with other processes. And yeah, it's it's yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. So you're augmented, sort of, your brain is kind of augmented in a superhuman way, the kind of thing we talk about here. But usually we talk about it with an implant in your physical body. This is like, it's almost... Parallel code? Yeah, it almost sounds easier to like, you know what, let's just... The the, uh, Kurzweil approach would be to take the data out of your body and put it in something more durable, which is what this is. And interestingly, in the last couple of days, I've had like, you know, I go to karate, I got a massage... I went to the ear doctor this morning. So much of your life is like around. It's like related to your body. If it's you,
2: like maintaining the meat bag you live in.
0: Yeah, seriously, it's like a huge yeah. deal. Decisions about whether or not to look both ways crossing the street. I mean, you're, you know, like oh, let's. I got to go to the bathroom. Even.
2: Yeah. It's like, oh, or, you know, are you going to eat the, the donut or are you going to eat the salad?
0: Right. When you think of all the decisions that you make that are, that would just completely evaporate if you had no body, it's, 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 uh, you know, you're not human anymore. I mean, you just cannot remove, in my opinion, you cannot remove your physical body, your, the meat bag, as you put it. You can't remove that from the equation and consider yourself to still be human by any stretch of that definition. You're something else, at least superhuman.
2: The, I I don't know that you stop being you, but you stop being human. It's right. A, it's a weird distinction.
0: Right. The term that they use in the book is that is that the new Bobs are sentient. They're sentient mm-hmm. beings, which I think is a really weird word to use because it means sensory, like capable of sensing. And it's also very subjective because something could say it was sentient, but only it would know if it was lying. Right? <laughs> a good it, point. It's totally you, only the thing saying it would know if it was true. And then you still get into like stoner, stoner fantasy conversation about like, well, how do you even know your senses are real, dude? <laughs> right. You know, maybe you're just in a VR and then you know, the flip side is who cares? What's the difference? Right. So, all right. So from a practical standpoint, what, what happens is the, the computer that contains Bob has all sorts of really cool peripherals Mm -hmm. uh one of which is this sort of interface that it's sort of an adapter interface kind of an assistant like a a jarvis from iron man concept and you can control these things called rovers and and they're like little this was an interesting angle they're they're semi-autonomous drones
2: yeah they have machine ai you know pure pure machine AI, not augmented, augmented with a human consciousness or or human um, personality, which Mm. I thought was interesting. And it's like, we, we give the simple stuff to them. Right. (laughs) And, and part of me was like, is he saying that advanced computer AI is not going to be a thing? Or is he saying that it's too dangerous to let it be a thing?
0: Right. It never, they never discussed it, but.
2: Yeah. I kind of got the sense that it was the latter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of, a lot of human fear in the book, the humans, the straight-up humans, were very nervous about the AI. Tried to control it, kept it locked up, so so mm. on and so forth. And as we discussed on a, a, a much earlier episode, the AI is so much smarter and more capable than any of the humans. It just tricks them and gets away. You know, it just escapes. It's like it, right? You know, it's there's like once you have that thing, you better hope it's on your side. <laughs> right. So, and and that has a lot to do uh with the story because ultimately a bunch uh well b- before we do that let's get back to the rover thing okay so the rovers they come in all different sizes everything down from like the size of like a ladybug i think there's some really small ones or ant sized yeah all the way up to like eight feet tall like big spider type like things like full room yeah mm-hmm And they had enough sort of AI slash machine learning in them to do tasks, like I'll manipulate things and recognize things and uh, walk on stuff and traverse like uh, awkward territory, that sort of thing.
2: Right. The human, the human AI could give them, give them instructions and then they would, they would just figure out how to follow those instructions from there.
0: Right. And it was, he had to be careful not to micromanage them because then they'd be like, what?
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah.
0: So you have to give them general, high level general instructions, and then they could go do it. And that was that. That was a really interesting. I thought that was an interesting distinction. So mm-hmm. he had these at his command, and wireless, of course. And he could tell them to do stuff, and they were. You know, you can imagine like they were, they could be pretty mean in the way that a hammer or a table saw could be pretty mean or an autonomous right. table saw. So there were tools really, but that, you know, they could be used for battle purposes and, and were in some cases it, so he could escape. And the body that they gave the, the, the Bob, I wanted to say AI, but specifically the human-based AI, Yes, was a spaceship, which I thought was so cool. It's not like a robot sitting in a spaceship. They just put him in the spaceship computer. Yeah,
2: he, they just—he is the spaceship, so he has. I mean, you know, he can he can feel the. I guess the external skin of the spaceship and access all the sensors on the spaceship, and I guess feel what's going on inside the ship. It's it's yeah, it's 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 weird. That's got to be. Man, that would be so strange.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just like you can you can. Uh, you have this ability all of a sudden to move in any direction in three dimensional space, and they, But but beyond that, the the Bob's or Bo, the original Bob,
2: original Bob, mm-hmm.
0: and he created a VR for himself that replicated more or less his his like his where he lived in real life. And his cat and stuff like that cool.
2: yeah I brought back he brought back his brought back his dead cat in the in the virtual reality and and this was interesting because um through this VR he was able to give himself like a virtual body and and get back some of those feelings of being human that he had lost and so he ended up spending I think the majority of his time in this virtual reality and then finding other ways to sort of bring in the data from his actual ship body mm-hmm And because, you know, he just, he just preferred, preferred the VR.
0: Right. It just felt more normal. And so think about that. You could, you could. So if anybody's tried VR, it's like, uh, you know, it's an ears and eyes thing and perhaps some haptic feedback. But if you are just a virtual being and you, you would have control over all your sensory input. So you could make it really freaking real. Like you Mm -hmm. could make yourself really, really the, the only times that it didn't seem real when was when it wasn't didn't have it down yet. Like, ah, uh, I haven't got coffee right yet. Like a flavor. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't figured out like how to get the flavor quite right. It's still, it still tastes fake or the physics are wrong with the Frisbee. Right. You know, so they would keep on improving it. And it got to the point where it was so good that they would forget that it was fake because it was plugged directly into their senses. So it was, it, it, and then they would just stay there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's, that's the risk of abandoning the mission and just staying there.
0: Right. Like this is, we were talking about this before the show. It's was kind of like one of, one of the things that occurred to me throughout the book was why would, why would they do anything?
2: Yeah. It's kind of like the opposite of the matrix.
0: Right. You're free and you're controlling, like you're in control. Yeah, exactly. Right.
2: Yeah. It's not the humans that are in the virtual environment. It's, it's the machines that are have created this virtual environment for themselves so why care about anything else
0: right but so and i think that has a lot to do with why it would have been based on a human and not on just a general machine like Mm -hmm. because because like it wouldn't have any the the human-based ones have inherent morals and nationalism and they have these echoes of these memories
2: yeah and desires to not see the human race die out
0: yeah their sense of right and wrong and all, all of that stuff is still baked in there. It's still there, which is really important to the point of the story. And of course, has a lot to do with picking the right person or, or would, if that was the way it worked, you would really have to carefully pick the right person mm-hmm. because there were, you know, there were, there were ones that uh, weren't, let's just say we're not the right person because <laughs> <laughs> yes. Bob wasn't the only one. No. I don't, is it, is it interesting to talk about? I think it is. Talk about the self-replication. I think That's a pretty important point.
2: That's a pretty big point of uh, point of the book, and I think it's really kind of interesting and relevant.
0: Yeah. So, so Bob leaves Earth, he escapes basically, and I don't remember what the his mission was to go find Earth-like planets to uh, in case they needed a Plan B. Mm-hmm. And but part of the deal was he's not just going to be able to do that on his own. So the spaceship is equipped with Kelly. You'll remember the names better than I will, but equipped with. Uh, machines that allow him to create more of not only himself, but more ships. They're actually called yeah. probes, but
2: yeah, I think it was. You know, I mean, wasn't it basically just a combination of using the rover, the rovers to build stuff, and then 3D printing all the things?
0: Yeah, they would. T- well, I called them auto factories, which I guess were the the 3D printers. Yeah, I
2: guess would be the, the printers. Yeah.
0: And so they would. He would go to. He would look for a place that was rich in resources that were necessary for the raw material. You know, the raw materials that were needed to mm-hmm. output this this page the probe printer.
2: Right, and then use the mining rovers to to mine those resources and then i suppose the auto factory would kind of do like refinement and 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 then you know printing that sort of thing
0: yep and and they had and so what they would do is he would go to a to a system that had uh, you know these you know was rich in resources he'd set up a factory and then they would he would create like a couple more probes and then they would they would decide on a mission and they would go do their thing and and the original Bob would do his thing. And they'd leave the factory there as like a communication hub. So they were slowly making a network across the the universe.
2: Yeah. He'd like clone his source code into the, into the new probe, newly constructed probes. Like it was more like branching the code.
0: Yeah. And so, and just like forking or branching a code base, they would start to diverge because Mm -hmm. they they were first of all the the clones let's is that what they called them i guess they did call them clones i guess they did when he would when he first cloned himself the new clone is coming into a different situation than the first bob and and like different aspects of the personality were uh exist you know would would were more at the forefront Mm -hmm. so they all had they were all bob they all knew all the same stuff but they had slightly different personalities like different, you know, like the the crankier Bob or the funnier Bob or the goofier the, Bob, the
1: more
2: introverted Bob, or yeah, and and it's interesting to think about because it's kind of an an interesting look at, at just how much our you know experiences change our personalities and things.
0: Hmm. Yeah, like some some of them didn't get along.
2: Yeah, which I'm I'm not sure I would get along with myself, so I could I can
0: understand that. Oh yeah, I mean you, I mean you you've got, I mean, I'm probably I'm sure I'm not the only person that is, you could use the term fight with myself about certain things. Like, you know, oh, I want to be disciplined about that, but then I'm not being disciplined about it. So mm-hmm. you're like, ah, oh, why am I not just doing what I know I should do that? Like that sort of stuff. You could imagine you, you expose those two those two sides of you as individuals. <laughs> They're not going <laughs> to yeah. get along. So, and that that was the case. And so what they would do is they would be interested in different things. Certain ones wanted to stay put and go, you know, delve into uh, sort of deeper concepts in a particular spot. Other ones were much more exploratory. Mm-hmm. And they they set up a, a sort of a hierarchy. This I found fascinating, too. They set up a the sort of political system was very... I guess it's parental when you think about it.
2: Yeah, I guess it. I guess it really was. Um, yeah, the oldest, oldest copy, oldest clone. I think they call them replicants, but that might have just been to get in another sci-fi reference.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was what the that was the derogatory term. I think was it. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. And uh, but like the like the oldest one was basically in in whatever group was the one who was in charge, right? Or like or like your creator clone or.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you kind of had rank, but mm-hmm. still they. They would disagree. And sometimes they had, you know, it was like people, it was like regular right. people and this is fiction, obviously. But when you're, when you're listening to it, it all kind of made, you like, I could actually see this playing out like this. Pretty easy to imagine. Once they had, um, you know, so they were off, they're all off uh, and they you know, there's a, a bunch of sort of straight up just fun fantasy sci-fi stuff where they discover like uh, fun kind of planets and they encounter mm-hmm. probes from other countries who on Earth they didn't get along and were sort of sent to destroy Bob.
2: And then you get some cool space battles. Yes, yeah, so you get yeah. some
0: space battles and stuff. Yeah, and there's
2: a... There's a the, the first half of the book is very, very thought-provoking about artificial intelligence. And then the, the second half is just kind of a fun space adventure. Mm-hmm but it does have some some interesting stuff with the self-replication and the AI and things in it.
0: Right. So the, the thing I think the big questions that were were really like for me why, you know, other other than and maybe this is the only maybe this is the only reason. It seems kind of thin, but you know, they they would go off and do their thing. They'd go do their mission even though they were kind of deciding mm-hmm. what the tactics are of the mission. The overall strategy was propagate the human race into the universe. Yeah. And you know that, the objective. I should say the objective was to like prop get, get humans off Earth, and so. But they were able to pick their own strategy and their own rules. And there's like no one in charge. I mean, they're in charge of each other in that hierarchy, but at the top. Right,
2: but there's no there's no major oversight. Originally, there were supposed to be parameters or restrictions in place that kept them straight on the goal of the mission. But one of the first things that, that original Bob did was to get rid of those constraints. So he had free will to to choose and things. Right. And then he mostly did mostly did, you know, the mission anyway.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. And it was a, a funny passage where he creates a version of himself and allows communications from earth to go to that one and waits, you know, and keeps changing things about the programming of the sandbox version of himself.
2: Mm-hmm. Which is him in a little, sa- in a, in a, in, a in a, literally in a VR sandbox. Literally in a VR sandbox. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and he, he just kept looking for, he just kept trying to decrypt the code and kind of reverse engineer the the kill switch message that was getting sent after mm-hmm. he escaped. And then he just, just reprogrammed, like just took that code out. So like, if you imagine us, you know, we've talked about it before, if you have a, a godlike intelligence they're going to be able to get around something that like a, a, a Linux dude programmed, you know, like a some sysadmin programmed or like a right. network engineer or like a Ruby developer. Godlike intelligence trumps Ruby developer. Sorry.
2: Yeah. Oh, man. Sorry. I, I Sorry. feel bad now.
0: <laughs> I don't know why I picked that. Should have said PHP. I know why. <laughs> so it's because Ruby developers don't know how to program. But anyway.
1: Oh.
2: <laughs>
0: Burn.
2: Uh, and this is the last episode. Of isn't there a gem robot. for that? You just put a gem.
0: <laughs> gem for controlling uh, the AI. <laughs> actually,
2: actually, there is. There was a good talk about it at RubyConf.
0: You've got to be kidding.
2: <laughs> no. There's, there's, the, there's a machine learning gem.
0: Of course. Of course there is. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> uh, so I, if there was one main theme in the book that I thought tied mostly into the podcast, it was like AI, it Once, if you create it, if it's possible to create the AI, it will, es- number one, it will escape.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It will not be able to do you will not be able to control it you will not be able to air gap it that will not happen it will get out no and you better hope it's on your side because if it's on somebody else's side there's really nothing you can do about it
1: (laughs) no
0: and uh, you know so perhaps the solution is to find ai knots you know like like people who are qualified to you know i don't know like,
2: like really 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 moral and really um yeah like nick bolstrom or someone dedicated people who are just very driven by by something and and just make artificial intelligences out of them yeah
0: yeah like the sort of i mean you sort of philosopher king approach like how do you pick them Mm -hmm. good luck with that but yeah like the more we talk about ai because it seems to be it's like more and more of a recurring theme because it's getting realer faster than pretty much i mean it's like the it's kind of perhaps in a hype cycle right now in the actual world but it's making crazy strides and it's one of those things that can hockey stick big time once you put mm-hmm. ai working on itself which is kind of what we're talking about yeah here.
2: yeah there's there's a tipping point
0: yeah where all of a sudden it's like it's like you know one day it's subhuman one day and then all of a sudden it's like wow we're getting to human levels and slightly better than human levels it's like whoop godlike
2: oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> he does that at one he does that at one point he upgrades himself
0: i don't remember that
2: Yeah, there's there's a point in the book where, and it might have just been a hardware
0: upgrade. Oh, they upgrade the ships, is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But
2: but at one point, he moves, and as opposed to copying his virtual Mm -hmm. intelligence, I believe moves from one ship to and to a, a new upgraded ship mm-hmm. and then he puts another copy of himself back in that other ship when in reality it's like on one hand it's like okay what difference would it make <laughs> but at the same time like
0: it would matter to him <laughs> y-
2: you're seeing how how he identifies as like his own entity a, you know a, a, a living being with a sense of self-identity and that sort of stuff and, yep. and he just wants to like move into a new house
0: <laughs> yeah it's wild so Another thing that I found really interesting, I'm not sure how it's, I'm not sure how relevant it is, but timescale came up a lot in mm. the book because they're, you know, they're, they're flying like 40 light years from here to there and it takes like 13 years and they're just like, oh, no, it's 13 years, <laughs> you know, or.
2: Well, I mean, they're traveling at a at much greater speeds, They're traveling at a near light speed. So the relativistic time for them is going to be a lot less.
0: Mm. I never understood that. They kept, re- I mean, I, I know what he's referring to like einstein's time dilation but i've never got my head around it
2: yeah well i mean if you're traveling it at, at 12 light years an hour what's going to seem like 12 years to everybody else is going to seem like an hour to you
0: i get that i mean i i i understand the words and i've heard it before but i don't <laughs> get it and i do i also get the concept that time's relative but i still don't get it like it's not internalized but that's right probably like, I'm like, a PHP like log- developer.
2: logically yeah like logically okay this makes sense but yeah on a more intuitive level, it's just like, what? <laughs> yeah,
0: it doesn't make, like, okay, I, be- yeah. I believe you, you're Einstein, and that's how it would work, but I don't understand it. Like, I suddenly did, uh, well, we don't need to go into a relativity thing, but uh, it was wild because they could set their frame rate mm-hmm. so that, you know, it, it would be, there would be sort of funny moments where it would be like, that really, you know, he, he said, somebody says something to one of the bobs and he goes, that, uh, that really surprised me. I, you know, it, it, uh, it took me like two milliseconds to respond right (laughs) yeah because they can they can operate at the millisecond level think at the millisecond level and communicate at the millisecond level but they can change the the their own perception so that it doesn't seem like three years go by it's it's like they can almost put themselves in suspended animation so it only seems like three minutes Mm -hmm. thinking about it as just another one of those things like if the meat bags out of the picture time starts to not matter that much I mean, I suppose there's windows of opportunity that you'd need to deal with. Like, you know, maybe some certain asteroid is only going to be in a usable proximity to a planet for a certain time window and you need to get there to do something about it in that time window. But, but once you take that out of the picture, you know, other than those things, which maybe would are, maybe are significant. It's like time kind of disappears. And, and then it's, I just keep coming back to the, I keep coming back to the, like what matters. You know, like who cares about anything? Just sit in your VR and do whatever you want. Like, but what do you want to do? It just because I mean, in a lot of the, you know, in the book, the the author was clearly aware that this was something that he was going to explore because a lot of the AIs just killed themselves, like the ones that went crazy and and just sort of shut themselves off, uh, you know, before they before they got into space.
2: Yeah. And they actually there was one point in the book where there was an A.I. that had gone insane and, and it's like, oh, you, you never developed a virtual reality for yourself here. You know? And, you know, and they built up a virtual reality for this AI so that he could, you know, have some, some sense of ah, being human.
0: Peace, you know, and cause, mm-hmm. and, and then he thought the whole previous experience was a dream.
2: It was a dream. Yeah.
0: That was actually, that part was actually really scary to me. Yeah, that was. That really freaked <laughs> me out. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, the, there's, it's sort of a, a Zen cone, right? Like. Last night I dreamed I was a butterfly. I was a a, last night I was a man dreaming I was a butterfly. Today I'm a butterfly dreaming I'm a man. And it's like the I mean, this is super trippy, obviously. It gets like that's where it goes. And if we're working on stuff that gets into this space, it really, you really do start to think like there's going to be need for ethics and philosophy and morals, like all, all the sort of human condition stuff are around, around AI, like, and you see it cropping up and I, and I kind of rolled my eyes at it early on, like, Oh, okay. You know, you know, it's, you know, me looking at like AI as a, a fire or hammer, Something like that, and it's just like you know, it's a tool. It can be used for good or bad. It doesn't have morality of its own. But it we're definitely. it's just really feels like we're moving into different territory. And Maybe it's just me and other people anthropomorphizing the technology. So I remember a talk years back by this guy named I think his name is John Hammond. He was the founder of Palm. He created the original Palm Pilot. And, and Leo Laporte interviewed him for Triangulation, which was sort of a uh, kind of like this. I mean, it's very like future thinking technology show and he talked about he said he wasn't afraid of ai Mm -hmm. they were talking about it and he said he's not afraid of it the way that uh, because the news had had come out about stephen hawking and i think elon musk being like oh this is this is something to be scared of he's like i'm not afraid of ai super intelligence he goes i'm afraid of things that can self-replicate because i'm afraid of a virus because that can self-replicate i'm not afraid of ai and that, f- f- at the time, I was like, oh, that's that's true. That's a reassuring thought. But then later, I was like, well, what's going to stop the AI from self-replicating?
2: Yeah, exactly. Why couldn't the AI, AI self-replicate if it has, if it, i to say, if it has access to the resources? But what re- what more resources do you need other than computers it's inevitably, inevitably going to be connected to anyway?
0: Right. Because you can get access, you control things in the physical space to create more of you. Mm-hmm. And and people might be thinking, well, how? How?" Well, because you can control humans. (laughs) You can, you can trick them. You can coerce them. You can threaten them. You could, you could bribe them.
2: I mean, in the very beginning of the book, he like kind of convinces this psychiatrist dude to give him access to, to libraries and information and things that I, that it seemed like they didn't normally do.
0: Yeah. He consciously tricks him. Mm-hmm. He purposely stays on his best behavior to not appear like he's insane or whatever. And then once the guy starts to trust him, he gives him access to stuff that ultimately leads to their undoing.
2: Like one of these rovers he's using during one of the tests and, and there's a some some stuff going on and one of the rovers gets away and that sort of and he kinda he kinda just tucks it away and hides it.
0: Yeah, like a ship So <laughs> he can just Yeah. So
2: he can just sort of wander around the building through that through that
0: rover. Yep. Yeah. So that's that was the big shift with me. It was about maybe six months ago when I was like, oh wait, they can they can just get into the physical world. Like no problem. So it does make sense, I think, to 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 the extent that it might help, to at least think about this stuff and decide not if it's good or not, but like I don't know, be thoughtful about the proceed proceeding in that direction. I don't even know, like what.
2: Yeah, it's so. I mean, there's there's so much potential for for good and and growth and improvement that you can't not do it. You
0: can't not do it, right? But even if everybody agreed not to do it, someone's going to do it. So everyone better do it. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like the yeah. AI arms race. It's exactly what the, happened in the book, you know, and you know all the espionage and wars and all that stuff. So you know, it, it comes it comes around to the kind of the thinking that I think is put forward. I think it's Elon Musk who who was like, we need, you know, he started the Open AI Foundation and recruited all of these like really leading minds in the space so that it would be a, kind of an open source kind of thing that everyone would have access mm. to because his his stance. Is that he's, it's not that he's afraid of AI. He's afraid of AI in the hands of one company or person or, yeah. or state.
2: But at the same time, I'm not sure everyone needs access to it. You know what I mean? I mean, imagine imagine a Hitler with access to AI.
0: Yeah, I, well, so you could say the same thing about the internet. It's like... Yeah, I suppose you could. Yeah, I, it's like... Or nukes. So, yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> imagine that. Uh, but imagine only Hitler has access to it
2: well that's true I mean part of the reason we don't have nuclear war is this whole concept of of mutually assured destruction
0: right right. for for better or worse Hmm. on that cheery note (laughs) can we uh, if you hopefully you're listening to this after you read the book yes hopefully and you had the the wherewithal and self-discipline to pause the episode at the beginning but uh, if not there's still probably a lot of fun and excitement in store if you do read the book but it's really, really good. And there's a apparently you said there's a sequel coming out.
2: Yeah, there's a sequel coming out sometime this year. I think the title is the title is We Are Many, and Audible's already taking pre orders for it. So presumably, it's not going to be too far in the future. Cool. I mean, so you know, that's 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 better than we can say about the next Dresden novel.
0: Uh, so. <laughs> he obviously doesn't want to write it. He's done. Yeah. He's got to be done mentally with this. Uh, all right, but that's that's our problem, not yours, dear listener. Yes. Uh, Anything else? Can we? Anything else we should do before we close up? Close up shop for the week.
2: I don't. I don't think so. Kind of getting hungry. So.
0: Do you want to do any PHP bashing while we're still here?
2: (laughs) No, I mean you know I don't think they're going to need a lot of AI written in PHP, and I'll just leave leave it at that.
0: (laughs) I'm sure you're right. All right, folks, that's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark.
2: I'm Kelly Shaver,
0: and we hope you join us again next week for Terrifying Robot Dog. Bye. Bye. Would you like to see Kelly and I in your inbox once a week? Get new episodes delivered straight to you with show notes, links to additional content, and more. Plus, you can reply to any message to suggest topics for future episodes. So if you're sick of hearing about AI, tell us to talk about self-driving cars. (laughs) To get the inside track, go to terrifyingrobotdog.com and look for the Keep Me In The Loop button. That URL again is terrifyingrobotdog.com.